Yes, indeed, Yvonne. Thank you so much for taking us around the world in two minutes. And yes, you're back here on Hard Facts. I am Sandra Ezekwesili. I wonder if you think that uh, the Nigerian private sector needs a formal lobbying industry. Last week, when we were talking about the high price of food, of food and I had a conversation with Mira Meta from Tomato Joss, and uh, she was talking to me and you about why food was so expensive, one of you called in and uh, you, you told me what transporters were going through uh, with trying to ensure that they could survive on a day-to-day and how that could be one of the reasons why food is so expensive. His name is Ovie. Here's what he said uh, during that conversation. Yeah, and I was telling you that prior to the fuel increase, mm. that if I was taking, uh, if I was going to Ibadan, right. uh, the maximum I would spend on fuel to and fro mm. was 4000 mm-hmm. But as it stands, if I... Uh, spent 7,000 on fuel to and fro Ibadan. I am fortunate. Hmm. And so imagine, for instance, Sandra, that I was in the I was in the agri business. Right. I'll pass all of this cost. Exactly. Onto, exactly. Onto my onto my uh, onto the product mm-hmm. and onto the consumer, onto the, onto whoever I'm selling. So. Yeah. Uh, another thing, if you notice, Sandra, your interviewee uh, mentioned that there are three things when you ask her what are the three changes you will uh, ask me. for. Mm-hmm. She yeah. She said uh, 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 infrastructure, mm. power, and network. Mm-hmm. That's what she said. Mm-hmm. Sandra, if I ask for one more thing, I would ask for a favorable environment for doing business in Nigeria. Last week, I was coming from Ibadan, Sandra, mm-hmm. and at Bega, there was this truck, this trailer that was carrying yams into Lagos. Right. And there were these guys that were holding sticks. You will think it's, it's the, 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 the truck driver was coming under an attack. Hmm. I was, you know, I haven't noticed them before. Yeah. And we are stopping this guy, mm-hmm. obviously to collect money from him. Hmm. The question you ask yourself is that, who are they? On whose behalf do they collect this money? Mm. For what purpose do they collect this money? Mm. At every point, there is somebody who is collecting money from people who are doing business. A woman who goes to uh, altar to buy tomatoes to come and sell in Lagos. Right. As she's coming, before she gets to Lagos, she has paid this levy here, paid that there, paid that there. At the end of the day, she's going to be transferring all of these costs onto the products that she's going to be selling. So we need this measures to be taken by governments to be able to ensure that we have a better economy. A lot of, I, I'm sure there is a video online, I wanted to, I, I, I'll try to tag it to you on, on, on Insta, sorry, on Twitter later on. Okay. We have a woman in Abuja who runs a restaurant. They just went to steal up her restaurant with her staff and customers inside. Hmm. Huh. Yes, it's on social media right now. Do, so we, know, do we know why? They said that because she didn't, uh, they, uh, they want to see the receipt for, let me try to remember now what was that? The receipt for uh, food handler, food handler's receipt. And she told them, I am in a meeting right now. Uh, we have a head office in Wuse. They went to the Hagwarimpa branch. Okay. We have our head office in Wuse. All the receipts are there. It's either you want to be taken there so that you see the receipts or wait where you are. I'll call somebody, one of my staff, to bring the receipt over to you. The guys refused. And, and sealed up her place. 
yes, with customers inside. With her customers inside, Sandra. Whoa. And then she said, because of that, of course, you know, a business person will get agitated. Mm-hmm. She did everything quickly to get to the venue, to her restaurant in Guarimba, to the venue. Mm-hmm. By the time she got there, these guys were gone. And then she called them, okay, please, I'm here now. Can you come back so that we can resolve this issue? She, they said no, that they were not coming back. And before they locked the restaurant, they told her that they had a court order that they were going to be affecting uh-uh. or that she had to pay 250000 in order for them not to lock the restaurant. Do you get that? Yeah. And then she said she doesn't know their office. She doesn't know where they come from. They just tell you that they are armored. Now, these are the kind of policies that, you know, stifle business growth and you know, increase costs in our, in our, in our environment. It, it, it causes a lot of problems. I'm, I'm in transport. Mm-hmm. So I can tell you what we go through at the hands of different kinds of people. And at the end of the day, Sandra, you are forced to pay willy-nilly. And what it, it, is, it is inevitable that you are also going to be transferring this cost. And then onions becomes what Sandra I will have to fight for <laughs> <laughs> But Ovia, do you think that there's something that, um, I don't know, businessmen like you can do to force the hand of government to say, I don't know, regulate um, the number of things that you have to pay for? Because I, mean, I don't think businessmen and women should have to take the kinds of things that happens to the yam truck uh, coming into Lagos or the woman in Abuja or you who's paying people for your transport business. Well, Sandra, you are putting me at the risk of being labeled a terrorist. <laughs> Chief Oboferibo is back on the show. He is a business, a business executive uh, as well as a policy expert. Chief, I have to ask you the same question that I asked Ovier. Is there anything business owners, business um, men like yourself Not terrorists. can do <laughs> to um, end things like that? Yes, I mean, at the end of the day, um, we have a situation called, you know, the consent of the governed. Uh, the idea is the that... The consent of the governed, I like that. Yes, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, no government rules or governs and no policy can can be implemented by that government, government without some level of consent from those on whom the policy takes effect. Mm. Now you say, ah, what power do you have? The question is, how much resistance are you willing to put up, mm. and how much, or uh, you know, uh, you know, how, yeah, basically, how much are you willing to endure to remove that thing? Mm. And so that's where you know, you know, lobbying, influencing, pressure—what we call pressure groups, civil society organizations—that's really what they're supposed to be there to do. Mm. They're supposed to be there to help the governed express their consent or lack thereof Mm -hmm. for particular policies. Mm. So, and that's why, you know, as business people, we have groups like the Chambers of Commerce, Mm -hmm. the various Chambers of Commerce. Um, They are there. The reason why the Chamber of Commerce exists is to make things easier for commerce, for business. So, what a Chamber of Commerce is supposed to do, and they are actually, you could call them a sort of like a lobby group. They are an institutional lobby group for business. So what the Chambers of Commerce, whether it's the LCCI here in Lagos or, Mm -hmm. you know, know, we have different ones, um, what they're meant to do is look at an issue like that Mm -hmm. and say, hmm, this issue is affecting so many business people Mm -hmm. in this way. So what we're going to do is we sit down and let's, create a policy document that assesses this current policy, assesses this problem, and shows why and why and why and why it's bad. Mm. Um, They did that, for instance, with the border closure. 
they said, look, this is... Which, by the way, uh, Zainab Ahmed, uh, I'm seeing that as a breaking story. Uh, Zainab Ahmed is saying that uh, the land borders will be reopened soon. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> is it before Christmas? Will, rice, will, will Christmas rice, um, uh, the price of Christmas rice come down? I don't know, but uh, <laughs> she gave this indication during an interview uh, with State House Correspondents uh, today. Because if you're, you're fighting for onions, me, I'm fighting for Christmas rice. <laughs> As a chief, yes, because you have to distribute rice. See, that's the thing. To because your I, it's, not, it's not just my own house that has to eat right now. My my greater compa, my walk-in house, I have to distribute <laughs> rice for them. So please, if the border can open before December, hey, I'll be very grateful. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so the Chamber of Commerce is mm-hmm. supposed to say, hey, this, this particular policy is bad for business. Mm-hmm. Or oh, all this multiple taxation, attacking of yam yam transporters by task force, it's bad for business. Mm-hmm. Then they're supposed to say, okay, here's the alternative. Okay, maybe, all right, so government needs to collect revenue from these people. What, how about, let's say it's a unified revenue collection mm. which can be implemented by this group or that group. Here's mm. how it's... So what what a group like the Chamber of Commerce is meant to do mm-hmm. is to provide an alternative policy for government and say, this is, this is a way you can achieve the same thing you're trying to achieve right now mm-hmm. without stressing our people. Mm-hmm. Then now, when that policy is now out there, mm-hmm. now the, the, the next step for that pressure group or that interest group or that lobby group is to enlighten the public about that alternative mm. and get enough stakeholders in the public space to support it, however you do that. Because it's not enough to have the alternative. If mm. nobody likes it or wants it or nobody knows about it, it will never be adopted. Mm. So what you now do is go around and get more and more people to support it and then you now push it. And when you have enough stakeholders ready to uh, um, support a new policy, mm-hmm. they now start putting pressure on government. Mm-hmm. And at some point, government has no choice but to say, look, you know what? These people won't let us rest. Mm-hmm. Let them have this thing that they want. Hmm. So that's how that's the mechanism for getting it to work. Now, uh, you're wondering why we're having this conversation is because on Monday we started a conversation about lobbying. And I shared with you that according to the Center for Congressional and Presidential Studies, the lobby industry in the USA generates $9 billion in revenue annually. That's $4 trillion every year. Private companies, NGOs, like Chief Obufuribo has said, individuals paying lobbyists this money every year to push laws and regulations inside government at all levels for them. I have to point out, of course, that this is all completely legal. I saw a tweet uh, on Monday while we were having this conversation from Ufome Bamuno, who is our head of news. And he tweeted and he said, lobbying and bribery share a very, very thin line. Uh, I have heard that sentiment uh, from a lot of people, even people who called in on Monday. They they heard the explanations we gave. So, uh, by the way, if you haven't um, listened to our conversation on Monday, you can actually um, go and listen back. It's very good, I promise. If you don't have data for anything else, listen to that interview from, Mon- from Monday uh, between 5 and 6. Our podcast is Hard Facts with Sandra Ezekwesli. It's, it's available on all streaming services um, Apple, Google, Spotify, um, Anchor FM, Radio Republic, everywhere. So look for Hard Facts with Sandra Ezekwesli and listen to the the conversation I had with Chief on Monday about um, lobbying. But yes, uh, back to what we talked about on Monday. Um, When we we expressed what um, lobbying was and we talked about um, why it's called lobbying, Chief was kind enough to tell us two legends about um, where the name lobbyists or lobbying came from. There's one from the UK, there's one 
one from the US. Seriously, go and listen to that uh, podcast. It's really good. And then um, Chief also uh, told us how it works in the US, for example. Uh, he also told us how um, lobbyists in other countries um, get a senator or a congressman or a president to accept their clients' regulations without breaking the law by paying bribes or kickbacks. And we, we, we had quite the conversation. And by the time we got to phone calls, people were calling in and saying, well, what's the difference between this and bribery? How do we get Nigerian politicians who all they care about is just put money inside my pockets, inside my abada, and, you know, anything you want, I will I will make it happen for you. How do we um, um, show people like, say, Ufo Mekbamano, for instance, that um, it is not a, a thin line and lobbying is lobbying and bribery is bribery. Is lobbying lobbying and is bribery bribery? Well, let me first, let me start by saying um, Ufo Mekbamano is correct. Hmm. There is a very thin line, very thin line between lobbying and bribery. In fact, sometimes it's microscopic. Uh, but when we talk about that, hmm. um, I, I, in situations like this, I like to use a quote from Winston Churchill because people always were, t- were criticizing democracy. Oh, democracy leaves room for corruption. Democracy leaves room for, you know, buying votes. Democracy leaves room for demagoguery. It leaves room for like a mad person. You, you know, the people are ignorant. They will vote a mad person and he will come there and he will start scattering everything, you know, all kinds of things. So um, Winston Churchill said, um, democracy is the worst form of government ever created except for all the others. <laughs> you know? So, you know, it, it, yeah. Democracy is terrible. It's a horrible thing. It has all these flaws. Mm-hmm. But you're not comparing it to heaven. Mm. You're comparing it to every other system of government we have. Mm. You're comparing it to, like, you know, um, state-controlled communism, you know. Mm-hmm. You're, you're comparing it to monarchy, you know, absolute monarchy. Mm. I mean, all those other forms of government have worse problems than democracy. So democracy is the best... If, even if all of them are bad, mm-hmm. it's the least worst. It's, it's the it's the best bad. Yes, yes, the best bad. It's the, <laughs> it's the lesser of, of, of many evils. Mm. And it's the same thing with lobbying. See, bribery, bribery exists everywhere. Mm-hmm. We've seen American politicians mm-hmm. get arrested for bribery. Mm-hmm. We've seen British politicians get arrested for bribery. Mm-hmm. Um, Israeli... Uh, yes. Russian, Re- yes. Chinese. I think the only place that if you like slap me right now, I can't really think of an immediate example of bribery coming from there is like Iceland and Finland. Mm. You know, those are the only places, but I'm sure if I knew more about their history, I would find some, mm-hmm. you know. So when we say bribery, um, lobbying is, is like bribery or won't it lead to a bribery, um, we already, you know, bribery is already there. Mm. So lobbying is the worst form of of getting governments to listen to your needs except for all the others. That's that's just really the truth. Mm-hmm. You're, you know, I mean, we, we were all here and we were all, you know, watching the NDDC um, hearings at the um, House of Reps and we all heard them telling telling the Honorable Minister to off his mic and he was there saying, am I protected? And he was saying that because he was telling us about bribery that's happening. So, no, but, but here's the other thing. So how can a situation like that, I want to hold you there, yes. that specific situation now, yes. how can that be turned into... Um, if it had been lobbying, how would that have been different? How would things have played out differently? Okay, so here's here's the point I want to make, and that's the fine point I want to make. Mm. I'm not saying that suddenly overnight Nigerian politicians are going to stop taking bribes. Mm. 
Okay. What I'm saying is that while they are there taking their bribes mm-hmm. to build for NDDC to get the money to build a road to nowhere mm-hmm. and collect um, 200 million naira, you know, kickback or whatever it is, mm-hmm. while that's going on, that their own corruption is going on, mm-hmm. EFCC may or may not catch them. Mm-hmm. While that's going on, mm-hmm. the things that you and I want out of government right. can also be happening. Hmm. The problem is that right now, they are chopping their money. They are collecting bribes, sending bribes back and forth to each other. Mm-hmm. And when you're coming to say, please, can you stop um, task force from, you know, catching us on the road? I can't get away from here. <laughs> right? <laughs> now, what I'm not saying that lobbying or a, a, a lobby system will mean that all of a sudden those NDDC kickbacks won't be happening. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is that while those NDDC kickbacks are happening, mm-hmm. those same corrupt politicians, when you now come and say, hey, bros, we need to stop collecting this thing from us here. We're going to apply this pressure. If you don't stop, we're going to have this. this, this. When you now say that, while they are still collecting their NDDC bribes, mm-hmm. they will also make out the time. Mm-hmm. Even if it is one hour in their very busy week, they will stop stealing for one hour to say, okay, you know what? Make we handle these people problem so that they don't go disturb us again. Maybe we continue to thief our thief. And that's the point. Because it's like you always say on the show, we can walk and chew gum at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, they can be stealing and still attend to our problems at the same time. And there's no one magic bullet. There's no one silver bullet that solves every problem. Mm. But the point is, even while they are stealing and collecting bribes, there are still ways to make them twist their arm to do things we need without giving them bribes. Another example you raised one um, two days ago on, when we were, I was here last was Not Too Young to Run. Mm-hmm. Bribes were not collected uh, and given for not too young to run. Hmm. People just put pressure. And they said, look, this thing, enough people, it's important to enough people that we need to do it. Hmm. Or look at police reform right now. Hmm. NSAS people did not give anybody bribes. Hmm. But already... Um, I was on my as I was driving in here on my way here. Mm-hmm. I heard you talking about how um, the government is now talking about more non-lethal weapons for police. Mm-hmm. You know, we've heard um, the other day the um, um, the speaker of the House of Reps, Femi Bajabia Mila, mm-hmm. was talking about um, expanding the police service commission to all the states. Mm-hmm. These are demands that people were asking for. You and I were talking about them, but but these are not demands that came off of lobbying. No, so the, the point I'm making is that these demands came off of something other than bribery. bribery. Hmm. And so, if these demands... So, that means there are mechanisms. The simple point I'm making, I'm going step by step, QED. Mm-hmm. The simple point I'm making is that these examples show that there is a mechanism mm-hmm. apart from bribery mm-hmm. that can get government, that can to, work get government to work. Mm-hmm. So, now, imagine if you have a sector of the private sector, a piece of the private sector, an mm-hmm. industry, mm-hmm. that is built around using these mechanisms... Mm-hmm to get government to do things that people in the private sector want. Do you think the Nigerian private sector needs a formal lobbying industry? It it clearly does, Sandra, because every day we are being bombarded with policies that are anti-business. At the local government level, at the state level, and at the federal level. Mm. The simple truth of the matter is this, and I say this, you know, categorically, Mm. that as a class, the people who govern Nigeria, irrespective of party, Mm -hmm do not know what it takes to run business. Hmm. They don't. And so, their policies, by nature, are anti-business. I don't think it's because they wake up one day and say, we want to kill business in Nigeria. Okay. 
I think it just comes from a fundamental lack of understanding of how business works. But they've got advisors. They've got uh, um, technocrats who are, you know, giving them advice about businesses. Um, so, let me, you know, um, they say that when a man says yes, his chief says yes. <laughs> when Oga says yes, advisors say yes. We, Sandra, we all know how Nigeria works, but doesn't. At the end of the day, advisors will advise and you know, it is always left to the, the 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 problem is that most advisors, and this is a political issue now. Mm -hmm. This is let's let's be frank. Mm -hmm. Most people who work with government or work with appointed and elected government officials right. are more concerned about keeping their jobs than they are about doing their jobs. Mm. And so when you know that this piece of advice you want to give Oga, like Oga, don't close the border, it's not good. Mm -hmm. When you know that that advice might put you in trouble because Oga believes fundamentally as an article of faith that only smugglers and criminals want to leave the border open. You will use your tongue to count your teeth and you will not give that advice. Or even if you give it, you won't give it forcefully. So at the end of the day, you can't rely on the people who, who feed from government to give government the best advice. Every stakeholder has to be able to make their case to government for the thing that pinches them. And that brings me to my next point. You've said every stakeholder. So if it's every stakeholder, and if it's the right of um, of, of every, um, um, say, citizen who's doing business, mm. why do we then need um, special lobbyists? Why can't, I don't know, anybody just do it? Okay, that's, that's a fair question. But again... Um, it's for practical reasons. The reason why there's a lobby industry, even in, in, in countries that we say are saner climbs, mm. even in countries that we say are more transparent and more open, right. is that always, no matter where you're talking about, because people who run government are busy, this is just, let's just be practical, because they are busy and because they are always concentrated in one place or the other, its access to them is always difficult. Mm. It's easier in places like the U.S. I gave you the example on Monday about how as a university student, as an undergraduate student, I, um, my, I and my, my colleagues in a, in, in a, in a student group mm -hmm. were able to have a meeting with our senator. We went from Phoenix, Arizona to Washington, D.C. and we met our senator. He gave us a day we went and we met him, no, no story. But even at that, even in such countries, it is very difficult to gain access to lawmakers, decision makers. And even then, it is always able to get meaningful access, extended stay, enough time. So that is why in those countries, lobbies exist. Now, think about Nigeria. How easy is it to interface with a local government chairman? How easy is it to interface with a governor? How easy is it to just even get a meeting with them? So it's one thing to say, Anybody should be able to advocate for what they want. And that's true, globally. But in practical terms, when people in government have only 24 hours in a day, and that most of that time is spent doing other things, I mean, just look at the other day, Sandra, um, the, uh, the president sent a delegation to meet with stakeholders from the South-South. Governors, the six governors of the South-South, traditional rulers, kings were there. And at the dying minute, the secretary to the government of the federation cancelled and went. Now, that just shows you in a nutshell how difficult it is to get access to the decision makers in government. Mm. And so that's why 
the, who the lobbyist is. The lobbyist is someone who, on the one side, has access, mm-hmm. more access to the people in government than, than, the, most, average than the average person, mm. and who now monetizes their access. So now, instead of going and collecting bribe mm-hmm. to do this and to do that, mm-hmm. they now render a professional service that can be regulated. Because guess what, Sandra? People with access are selling the access right now anyway. Lagos, you're listening to Hard Facts on 99.3 Nigeria Info. We're talking about lobbying and we're uh, trying to see if it, if it can work here. What is it? How does it work? Um, could it work in Nigeria? Does Nigeria need it? Chief Andy Obofor both thinks that Nigeria needs it. He's a business executive and a policy expert. Lobbying, by the way, if you're wondering, is working on behalf of an interest group to influence government legislation and regulation. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll We'll come back, we'll take your thoughts and uh, we'll address more questions. This break is nine minutes long, but uh, immediately after it, we'll take calls and uh, we'll also um, take um, your thoughts. We're streaming live on Facebook, Nigeria Info 99.3. We are also live on YouTube, Nigeria Info FM. We've got WhatsApp, WhatsApp 080-959-75805. So if you have questions about lobbying, please go ahead and ask on WhatsApp 080 75825. Our studio number is 0700-993-993-993. I am Sandra Ezekwesili. Don't go away, Lagos. Welcome back to your number one talk news and sports station. This is Nigeria Info. And here we are, Lagos. It's a few minutes to... The end of the show, but uh, we've got uh, quite a lot to talk about still. You're listening to Hard Facts on 99.3 Nigeria Info. Does the Nigerian private sector need a formal lobbying industry? Do you think the Nigerian private sector needs a formal lobbying industry? Remember I said that lobbying, well, Chief told us last week, I didn't say, Chief told us last week that uh, lobbying is working on behalf of an interest group to influence government legislation and regulation. Um, Lobby companies and lobbyists are registered and licensed. They collect fees from a company or an industry or an interest group to pass a specific policy. Lobbyists often craft um, the needed um, regulations or the legislation. So they have people who draft bills as well. And they also do their best to get the decision makers to adopt the rules. And then Chief told us last week about uh, the kinds of lobbying there are. So he talked about inside lobbying and outside lobbying. Uh, Inside lobbying is direct persuasion of decision makers, so arguments showing that the rule aligns with their interests or fundraising, things like that. Then outside lobbying is using public pressure to force lawmakers and executives to accept a policy. And then he broke down what inside lobbying was last week as well. He talked about things like campaign fundraising for instance, completely, completely legal in places like America and in Nigeria. 
Nigeria. Uh, in America, for instance, there are strong measures in place to make sure that money that is raised can only be used for campaign. And um, it's the right of every citizen to raise money for the election of a politician who defends their interests, right? So if people like Ovie, who called me last week, he works in the transport sector, uh, um, you know, have a particular interest that they would like a particular politician to represent uh, when they get into office, they can fund that um, politician's campaign uh, uh, in the hopes that that politician backs whatever um, regulation that um, could help OVA's business. And then um, Chief just talked to us before the break about uh, why a special lobbyist is needed. And he said that, uh, well, access is quite the currency. You know, politicians are not easily available um, to every make um, and baffle. You know, you, you need to have special access to be able to get these people to sit down with you, sit down with you uh, for extended periods. That's why, um, you know, in, in other parts of the world, lobbyists are people who have become um, skilled at getting access to decision makers uh, because if you don't have a regulated lobby industry, uh, people with access will sell it for bribes and that's probably already happening here in Nigeria. But let's stay on that issue of access a little more, Chief Obofurubo. In America, <clears throat> we often see that retired politicians become lobbyists and they use their personal relationships with their former colleagues to gain access. So for instance, um, um, you know, since Ambo for instance, I'm not saying he's a lobbyist, but Ambode, for instance, as a former governor, has more access than, say, Sandra Ezekwesili, right? Is there an argument that if we had a mature lobbying industry, we would have more politicians um, ready to leave office instead of retiring into the Senate, like is uh, bound to happen in Nigerian politics? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's um, when you talk to the Americans, they say that um, that's one of the um, and not just the Americans, but also like the British increasingly. They say that that's one of the side effects of, of having a lobby industry that is so regulated, but at the same time open to entry. Because what you see is you see politicians who, you know, you do a couple of terms and after a couple of terms, you even though you're no longer in office, you've lost elections or you've been kicked out or you yourself are tired, um, You've made friends, you've made con connections, you know, and you've made those connections and now you're out in the private sector and somebody comes to meet you and says, oh, look, um, we are from the, you know, health insurance industry and we have these issues and we need these, these, these um, policies re reviewed. Mm. Um, please, um, we need somebody who can get us meetings with, you know, the Senate leader. And you are a lobbyist and you say, okay, well, here's what we'll do. Um, we'll put together the policy and I'll get you that, I'll get you that access and you guys will sit down together and have that conversation. In fact, I'll, I'll get you meetings with every single stakeholder you need to meet to have this thing done. Mm. And it's right there. It's been done right in the open. He has to write down that, yes, he met such people and he has a contract with them and these are the people that he said he's going to help them meet mm. and he did it mm. and he got paid and he sat down. And it's right there in the open. He paid his tax on it. And what are, what paid his tax as a lobbyist? As a lobbyist, yes. Mm. And so what that has done is it has sanitized to an extent the system there. Mm. And it has also meant that people who normally would not have that access now have that access. Because somebody who who is who does not have the connections, the social connections mm. of to use your example now, former Governor Ambode. Mm -hmm. 
I don't know the people he knows. Mm-hmm. He knows the people that are currently in government. Mm-hmm. He knows the speaker. He knows the president. He knows he has access to them. I don't. Mm-hmm. Now, if my problem, I have a problem and I need to talk to those people mm-hmm. and I need those people to be the ones to make policy decisions. Mm-hmm. Before Ambode became a lobbyist, mm-hmm. I have no way of talking to those people. But doesn't that encourage um, um, and even enshrine to an extent cronyism and paddy paddy? So, again, let's go back to what I said previously about the thin line between bribe and lobbying. Um, <laughs> cronyism and paddy paddy is already enshrined, Sandra. It's already there. <laughs> like, so, like me, you know me, that's why they don't like me. Me, I like to talk about things as they are, hmm. not as they should be or could be in a book. Because the truth of the matter is this. If things were the way they are supposed to be, right. young people would not have had to go on the street to shout answers. Hmm. Right? Hmm. If the system already worked the way, you know, in a perfect way, mm-hmm. all that needed to happen is that, in fact, first of all, police will not be killing anybody. Mm-hmm. But the day one police officer kills a, a, a young person for having dreadlocks, mm-hmm. one young person will say, this is wrong. And immediately immediately, government will jump into action mm-hmm. and, you know, SARS will be disbanded, mm-hmm. the officers involved will be sacked, mm-hmm. we would have retraining, we would have the police service commission in every LGA. All the things that need to be done would have been done. But yet, here we are. Meaning that the thing already does not work. All the things that we are worried about, oh, lobbying will bring them, mm. they're already there. We're worried about... Um, um, cronyism, mm-hmm. oh, lobbying will bring or enshrine cronyism. Mm-hmm. Cronyism is already enshrined. Um, you're more likely to become a, a, a senator mm-hmm. if you are the former driver of a governor than you are if you are a graduate of political science. So you're saying use the bad system to your advantage? Use the bad system to your advantage and use the bad system to to improve the bad system. That's what things like lobby, lobby, um, lobbying, lobbying does. Mm. So, you know, and it's the same thing. So, okay, you, we talked about OVA earlier on. Mm-hmm. Now, um, when I was here on Monday, somebody talked about how lobbying is already happening. Mm. That's why certain people, like he gave the example of Dangote, mm-hmm. are able to have policies that favor them all the time. Mm. Why is that able to, ha- why is that happening? Because it doesn't matter who the president is. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter the party of the president. Party, If Dan Gauthier wanted to meet with the president or the Senate president or the Speaker of the House or a governor of any state, Dan Gauthier can pick up the phone right now, call that person and have a meeting with them within the next half hour. OVA cannot do that. So that is why Dan Gauthier's problems will always be solved by government, but OVA's problems will not. So, so if we want to solve OVA's problems, it's not by calling Nigeria Info and saying, government should work for everybody, even the people that don't know them. It's by finding a way to get OVA to be treated like somebody that they know, to get government to treat OVA like Dan Gauthier. So now imagine if somebody, a retired governor or an impeached governor, or a former um, SSA to a, to a president or to a senator who has connections to all these people comes out and goes to talk to a million OVAs who have the same problem that OVA has and gathers them together and bundles them into a group and says, I am go- ready to take your problem, this issue of transporters being extorted. I'm ready to take it to Asorok. They pay him it's all done because he's licensed. It's all formal. And he walks into that room in Assault Rock and carries their policy um, request. Or he gathers enough people from his social network 
to actually start putting pressure on on the National Assembly and on the presidency. And suddenly we have an active policy that ends uh, people being extorted, transport has been extorted on the road. Are we saying that because it was done using a personal connection, that Oviedem should reject it. Lagos, uh, I'm going to bring that question to you. By the way, the next uh, 15 minutes of Hard Facts is brought to you courtesy Unicaf. The last 15 minutes, actually, not the next 15 minutes, the last 15 minutes of Hard Facts are brought to you by Unicaf. Unicaf is a leading global education organization. They're based in Europe and they provide scholarships for online education. So you can stay here in Nigeria and study online online um you can uh, you can study online, you can um, study with one of their partner schools like uh, University of Suffolk in the UK. You can also study with the, uh, with the Liverpool John Moores University in the UK. They also have the University of East London also in the UK. Uh, the University of California, Rivers- Riverside Extension in the USA. So if you want to have, um, uh, you know, quality education online uh, from the comfort of your home here in Nigeria, Uh, you should uh, pay attention to what UNICAF has to say to you for the next uh, 15 minutes. If you don't want to have to cook rice for your external examiner or so clot for them, uh, maybe you should actually pay attention to UNICAF because they're bringing the final 15 minutes of hard facts to you today. Let's listen to a brief message from them and then we'll come and take your calls and you'll tell me what you think about what Chief Andrew Bofurbo has said so far. Unicat Scholarship can help you earn a British Master's degree at affordable cost through online study. Choose any one of Unicaf's partners in the UK, the University of Suffolk, Liverpool John Moores University, or the University of East London. Use any electronic device connected to the internet from a laptop to a mobile phone. Access materials 24-7 via the Unicaf state-of-the-art digital platform. Earn exactly the same degree as on-campus students in the UK from the comfort of your home. Together with a generous UNICAF scholarship, you'll receive 3 gig data from MTN to help you in your studies. Build the career and life of your dreams with a British master's earned online through UNICAF. Call 0700-111-000 to find out more. You want to call the live show, though, 0700-993-993-993. What do you think about the points that Chief Andy Obofurbo has been raising on the show? There's also WhatsApp available. WhatsApp is 080-959-75805. Do you think that the Nigerian private sector needs a formal lobbying industry? Do you think the Nigerian private sector needs a formal lobbying industry? Ezekiel is in Aja. Hello, Ezekiel. Thanks for calling. Yeah, Sandra, good evening. And uh, good evening to the chief there. Good evening. Uh, Sandra, let me, let me say this. While what you are discussing, the subject matter is very much as in Jamin, mm. I must say that Nigeria is not right for it. Okay. You see, already this thing is going on in a, in a corny way. Because we, are, we seem to be running a monopolistic economy. Now, if you look at uh, civilized climb that this thing tries, you will discover that they are not operating in monopolic and monopolistic in economy. So, in that case, if such thing is going to be welcome here, it's not it's, it, the time now is not right. As in, it's not it's not it's not it's not a good subject to discuss at this time, as far as Nigeria is concerned. 
Because the, the climb, the environment is not, as not, in fact, there's no, there's no ease of doing business, let alone cost of, as in, uh, doing business. So if you look at all of these indications, all of these you know, factors, we'll get to see that this is not, in fact, it, it, it's not what we should even contemplate to even materialize in this country. As big and very much as in uh, beautiful as that subject is, Nigeria is not, is, is not, is not, it won't go well for this country at this point in time. Mm-hmm. That's my submission. Thank you, Isikal, for submitting it. Black in a world, how are you? I'm fine, Do you think the Nigerian private sector um, should uh, have a formal lobbying industry? Like NEO, capital letter, no. <laughs> Why? To me, it looks the same thing as kind of like bribery and corruption now. Oh, well, this is Nigeria, Sandra. Mm. It's, it seems like bribery and corruption. Okay. We've got a message from Pat who says, the gentleman in the studio is making a lot of sense, though I am skeptical of adopting everything America when it comes to politics because the presidential system we copied hasn't worked so well. Be that as it may, like he said, maybe registered lobbyists could fill the gap between government and the governed. Yes, indeed, I think Nigeria's private sector could need some lobbying for business. Pat, thanks for your message. Uh, Sandra, what's the difference between lobbying and bribery? Lady Amy is asking. Okay, thank you for sending your message. Uh, we've got uh, more messages here. David Kelechi says, the major difference between politics and morals is that one is legal but could be immoral, while the, while the other could necessarily not be. Hmm. I, I'm not sure I follow but uh, perhaps the chief does. Chief, do you follow? It's wisdom. It's wisdom. <laughs> and, uh, but what do you think about what my two callers have said? Yes. Um, so, um, Ezekiel said that we're not ripe. Mm-hmm. Um, we should not even be having the conversation at this time. But, you know, the thing with this thing is, when you say that we're not ripe for something or not yet, mm-hmm. Eh, mm-hmm. that's only a good answer if you're saying we're getting there. Okay. So we're not yet at that level, but we're growing. When we grow and reach there, then we can do it. Mm. But what if we're not growing? What if we're shrinking? What if every day we're getting less and less ripe? Mm. Then you keep saying, okay, no, we're not yet ripe. Let's wait. We're not yet ripe. Yet. But if you're getting less and less ripe, oh, <laughs> until the day you realize that, ah, we're not ripe, oh, we're rotting. And we can't do anything about it. So sometimes, for a lot of these things that we talk about that Nigeria needs, but we're not yet ready for them, mm you realize that there is no better time. That the idea of waiting for a better time is actually what has kept put us in trouble. Mm. That sometimes you just have to wake up and do something. Bite the bullet and do it. That's right. Let's take another call. 99.3, hello. Hello? 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 Okay. 99.3. Sorry about that. Call back if you can. We've got Shayi Nikeja on the line. Shayi, hi. Hi, good evening, Sandra. Good evening. Nice to be back. Mm. Okay, uh, you see, this thing has happened before in Nigeria. If you look at under the administration of the last president, mm. there was the organized private sector. You know, you had people like the former MD of uh, Access Bank. In that group, you had organized private sector who sat down with government to look at policy of government mm-hmm. and how it affects the private sector. That's mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. If you remember, we used to we 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 had a minister for the economy mm. under that under that administration. Mm-hmm. They were working under that administration. They worked with the private sector. I'm an entrepreneur. My group, 
as, as small as we are. Mm. We sat down with the president more than four times. I remember when I started my manufacturing business in 2010. Mm. So many people who come from local government to this and all of We organized ourselves. Mm. We wrote a letter to the then Minister for Finance, Okoja Oweli, mm. which he granted us. Mm. 750 of us from across Nigeria was hosted. Mm. We, we had an exhibition. When we were on our way back to Lagos, mm. I was in Lagos, I was part of the organizers. Right. We had a call from the office of the, of, of, of the minister that the president wants to meet us. Oh. And that meeting, that experience, we went back and we said, ah. They said, yeah, the president saw some of the product and he was impressed. And he wants to hear from you. Guess what happened? What? They took us, they profiled us, they told us, okay, write your speech. Somebody has to speak among you. We wrote our speech. They said, okay, the DSS said, you can't, you can't say this in front of the president. Because, you know, we are entrepreneurs. We have issues that we want the president to listen to. <laughs> As God will have it, on the day we were at the state house, mm. it was a Wednesday. Mm -hmm. When the president came out, good Lord Jonathan, he told the protocol, I said, I'm sorry, I'm going to break the protocol. I want to speak to these guys one after the other, and I want you guys to tell me the issues. I started my business. For Hello, Shay. Oh, no. Oh, oh no. Wow. Oh, no. No. No, 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 no. Uh, but let me remind you that this segment is brought to you by Unicaf. Earlier on, we were talking about lobbyists um, serving as advisors. And uh, Unicaf also serves as an advisor if you want to get a foreign degree online through them. Once you sign up, they will assi assign you a course advisor. Uh, the course advisor will help you with the admis admissions process. And even after you get admission, the advisor will not free you. The, uh, she's going to keep working with you throughout the course to help you stay on track because we all know how online education can be sometimes. So that way it's easier for you to juggle your day-to-day -day work uh, and day-to-day uh, -day life here in Nigeria while you're doing your online course. And remember, by the end, you're going to have the same degree as the people who went physically to that foreign school. Now, remember, you can get a bachelor's degree, you can get a master's degree, you can get a PhD. It's very, very straightforward. So um, please get Give them a call and find out more. Uh, call their Lagos office on 07000 111000. 000. And uh, don't forget, if you come through Hard Facts, if you tell them that uh, um, you're calling them because you heard about it on Hard Facts, you get a 75% discount. I was just coming to take the call from Ayeni Baba, but Ayeni Baba isn't on the line anymore. And uh, we are winding down on the show today. But Chief, before I let you go, talk to me about practical ways that this could work. How could this work? I loved the story that she was sharing oh, with yes. us earlier oh, on. Yes. Now, again, I want to go back to the story you shared um, two days ago, okay. which was um, not too young to run. Huh. Because everybody keeps on talking about, oh, this is a fine line, this is bribery. Not too young to run didn't bribe anybody. Hmm. What did they simply do? They simply got the contacts of as many decision makers as possible and they kept bombarding them. Mm. And as they were bombarding them, asking them about this thing, they were also talking to us, the public, mm -hmm. getting more and more members of the public to agree that yes, the, Young a people should the ages run. should come down, the age limit should come down. Mm. And then making all of us 
in the public who agreed with them also reach out to our our elected representatives so they forced their elected representatives to have it in front of their faces but at the same time they had people working in not young to run who had access who had access to these decision makers. So it's not enough to be making noise from outside. You also need people who can walk in who and talk to them. Who can make noise into their and, ear. Yes, and those are the people who whose professional services you pay for. Hmm. So it's not a bribe because you're not paying the government person. You're not paying the decision maker. But you have somebody, a professional, who knows how to get those people, hook them for truth, hmm. and make them see your, um, hear your case. Hmm. So we have practical examples of how that works. Anybody, group of people who can organize themselves and have somebody who can articulate their policy position for them, both to government and to the public, and galvanize the public to put pressure on government, that's lobbying. That's lobbying, he says, and that's uh, uh, the much we can take on Hard Facts today. Chief, thank you so much for coming every time we call you. Uh, you've been quite helpful. Always a pleasure. Let me remind you, Lagos, that the last quarter hour was sponsored by you UNICAF, a world-leading educational organization based in Europe. You can learn online from here in Nigeria and get a degree from any of their partner schools abroad. So there's University of Suffolk, the Liverpool John Moores University, University of East London, University of California. And when you graduate, you have the same degree and paper as those who attended in person. No difference. And uh, if you want to find out more, call their Lagos office 07000 I am back tomorrow at 3. Lagos, join me for the big three. We've got eyewitness coming your way tomorrow as well as the big hard fact. But we're going to talk about who the better caregivers of parents are. Their male children or their female children. I'm S. Ezekwesele on social media, S. Ezekwesele on Twitter, S. Ezekwesele on Instagram, Sandra Ezekwesele on Facebook. Until tomorrow, Lagos, those were your hard facts. Good night. For the best in talk. Oh, yeah, 99.3 Nigeria Info Biggest. Keeping you updated on latest news. Some is saying they own the mint. So the government just go to the mint and print money and then ever stand on the land. They, they shout, shout Latest developments locally and internationally. From politics to business, sports, and so much more. 99.3 Nigeria Info. Let's talk.